the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In other words, don't just expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Did you get that? Don't just expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. So how does your lifestyle illustrate that? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So Peter goes on to describe how we keep that focus, how we have hope. Look at verse, uh, as he continues in in verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He gives us what we don't even deserve, and He doesn't give us what we do deserve. So in verse 6, he picks it up. Be truly glad. What? In the midst of trials? Be glad? Now Peter's gotten drunk. I mean, really? This is similar to what we find in James, where James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Joy. Gladness and joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness comes from our happenings, right? And in life, there are some things that happen to us that stink. So back to that story... It would have been kind of odd to leave that parking lot and go to that restaurant and have a party and celebrate as if we're happy after we had received that news. But we could go forward in joy. But we, we could go forward and say, God, we're, we're going to trust you in this. So he says, be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Did Peter know what he was talking about? Peter's writing this in 63 AD. Nero is the leader of Rome. Do you know what will happen in 64 AD? He'll begin to destroy the modern world as a dictator. Nero was so vile that it was known that he would throw garden parties at night. And to light the party, he would dip Christians in tar and light them on fire. So when Peter's writing to a group of people about trials, he's not suggesting, hey, you had to park at the farthest parking place from Publix. That's not a trial. 
And by the way, if, if you just want to give me a moment on this day to talk about my pet peeves, stop thanking God for giving you that close parking place. He might have wanted you to walk a little bit and get some exercise. All right. Peter knew about testing times. The key to surviving life's testing times is remembering this simple truth. Nothing you experience ever catches God off guard. You do understand that, right? You know those aha moments when maybe you're uh, watching a movie and there's a plot twist and, and you go, aha, I get it now. Or maybe you're in a class and, and you're learning something that's new to you and you go, oh, I understand it. It makes sense. Aha. God never has aha moments. God never says, oh, I didn't see that one coming. A buddy of mine says this. He says, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? Nothing touches your life that hasn't first filtered through the hand of a loving, sovereign God. So no matter what you're facing, remember this. He saw it coming and he'll see you through it. (laughs) That's good. No matter what you're facing in his sovereignty, in the fact that he is all knowing, that he is ever present. He saw it coming. Brothers and sisters, he will see you through it. So then Peter takes it a step further and he says, rejoice with an inexpressible joy in the midst of trials, just like James counted all joy. Uh, How do we do this? Well, we have to understand what trials are all about. And he tells us something about trials. First, he says that trials are a definite part of life. So just take it to the bank. Every one of you are in one of three categories. You are either in the midst of one of life's trying times. You've just come out of one of life's trying times and you're thinking, or you're headed into one of life's trying times and you may not even know it. Trials are a definite part of life. But there's another thing. Trials are difficult. (laughs) There's a reason. It's called a trial. It's a test. It's, It's not fun. It's challenging. It's not easy. Being a Christian does does not mean that you have to act as if everything is easy. Like you never have any difficulties or hardship. Trials are also different for everyone. They're varied. In James, he says it this way. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. But we rejoice because God's word teaches us that trials develop our faith. Can anybody else relate to this statement? Have you ever had a moment where you say this? God, if I could do anything I could to not go through that again, I would go back in a time machine and undo it. However, God, I wouldn't give anything for what you've taught me as a result of what I've been through. Anybody else relate to that statement? Man, I do. There are some things in life, some trying times, some testing times that were hard, that were difficult, they were challenging. Man, I would not have wanted to go through those, but I thank God for how he developed my faith and drew me closer to him as a result. But here's another good thing. Trials don't last forever. (laughs) They just don't. Trials don't last forever. They're temporary. 
I heard about an old man who had gone through some difficult times in his Christian life and he was sitting in Sunday school one day and the class was going from person to person and they were just reading scripture verses that were meaningful to them and, and this man stood up and, and he said, the words that I'd like to share to you are from the word of God and he, he just read this simple phrase and it came to pass and then he sat down It was quiet like it is in here. And everyone looked at him and he said, what comfort could those words be? And it came to pass. He said, every time I read those words, I'm reminded of this. When I face trials, when I face difficulties, when I face tribulations, when I face discouragement, I remember it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Trials are temporary. But trials direct our focus to Jesus. Remember, he's the center of our world. He's the center of our life. He wants to be the center of our church. He wants us to keep the main thing the main thing. And so what do trials do? Have you ever heard this phrase? There's no such a thing as an atheist in a foxhole. What's a foxhole? Foxhole is that place you get down, you you cover yourself for when you're in battle. When you're in the midst of the battle, everybody's crying out to God, right? So when you're in a trial, what do you do? 911, Jesus, whoo, hey, I know it's been a while, but I need you. See, trials do something that we need in our life. They constantly, they consistently take us back to Jesus. Now, why is that? Because he wants us, he wants us to look more and more like him. That's his desire. I heard about a visitor who watched a silversmith heating up gold in the crucible. And the flames grew hotter and hotter. All the while, the goldsmith was closely scanning the crucible. And the visitor said, why are you watching the gold so closely? What are you looking for? The silversmith replied this way. I'm looking for my face. When I see my own image... In the heated gold in the fire, I'll know it's ready. See, what trials do is they give us an opportunity to live our lives bearing the image of Christ. Remember how I said if we made a decision just to be optimistic, to be hopeful for the next five weeks, people would notice it because it's so countercultural? Well, think about this. What if we made it our intent that when we go through the flames, when we go through the fires, we just show those in our little corner of the world more Jesus? Our problem is we we don't believe God's word. God's word says it's temporary and the fact that it's temporary is a reminder that ultimately we have a home in heaven in which there is no more difficulty, right? Right? We, we love the book of Revelations where it says no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. But, but we don't really believe that. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. One of my devotional tools that I would highly recommend is a new little book called New Morning Mercies. It's by Paul David Tripp. 
And he was talking about yesterday, just how our theology contains the fact of a new heaven and a new earth, but we tend to live with the anxiety and, and drivenness that comes when we believe we have it all right now. So in other words, we say our hope is in the future. Our hope is in what Christ promises us, but we live as if we've got to have it right now. And I I don't like to read long passages, but I just want you to hear this. Here's the real life street level issue. If you don't keep the eyes of your heart focused on the paradise that is to come, you will try to turn this fallen world into the paradise it will never be. In the heart of every living person is a longing for paradise. The cry of a toddler who's just fallen down is a cry for paradise. The tears of a school-aged child who's been rejected on the playground are tears reaching out for paradise. The pain of aloneness, that person without friends or family, is the pain of one longing for paradise. The hurt the couple feels as their marriage dissolves is the hurt of those crying out for paradise. The sadness that the old man feels as his body weakens is the sadness of one who longs for paradise. Why? Because according to God's Word, God has placed eternity in our hearts. So when you forget this, you work very hard to turn this moment into paradise. And so that's what some of us are doing. We're living and our expectation is I've got to have it all right now. This is not paradise. Your marriage will not be paradise. Your job will not be paradise. Your friendships will not be paradise. The world around you will not function like paradise. Your child will not deliver you into paradise. Even your church will not live up to the standard of paradise. Our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in a paradise that is to come. If we really believe that Jesus is that living hope and that he will get us through, then we live with great expectation even in the midst of difficulty. Now look at verse 13. So in light of this, he says, think clearly, exercise self-control. Some of your translation says, be sober-minded, be clear-headed. Look forward to this gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Remember the heavenly father whom you pray has no favorites. He'll judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live out of reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. So here he said, hey, God has chose you even though he knew you. In his spirit, he is sanctifying. By your son, by his son, he has redeemed you. And so you have a living hope. Even in the midst of this difficulty that you face, you have the hope of heaven. But in the meantime... You need to live a certain way. And that's where we struggle, isn't it? He says, be sober, guard your mind, be different. That's what it means to be holy, be set apart. He's saying, live this day for that day. Martin Luther says, there's only two days I'm concerned about. This day and that day. Some of you are spending all your time worrying about tomorrow. 90% of the stuff that you're worrying about will never come to pass. He's saying live this day for that day. In other words, don't just expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Did you get that? Don't just expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. 
So how does your lifestyle illustrate that? If people look at you, do they see a person living with great expectation? How do you do that? Well, I'm going to tell you some things that don't communicate that to those in your corner of the world. When you let go of that which you should be holding on to, you're not living with great expectation. Did you get that? When, when you're not valuing the things that God says to value, you're not living with great expectation. But the flip side of that is true. When you hold on to that which God says let go of, you're not living with great expectation. So when you hold on to those possessions that he, he's called you to steward, or when you hold on to your past that he said, I've delivered you from, or you hold on to your worry about the future that he says, do not be anxious about, you're holding on to something that he's told you to let go of, and you're not living with great expectation. Well, I told you we got to fly through this. That sounds great, doesn't it? Be holy. You would expect to hear that at church. Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Be holy? Yes. How? Hey, you don't have the strength, do you? I don't. I can't face cancer or discouragement or marriage challenges or the difficulties of parenting or I, I can't face any of the big things in life in my power. Well, well then how do I do it? That, that, that's where it goes back to what Peter said. I'm, I'm born again to this living hope. There was a moment in time where things changed and I was no longer dependent upon my power. I'm dependent now on the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it says in verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not of mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ you've come to trust in God. And you've placed your faith and hope in God because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. How do I, how do, I do this? How do I live with great expectation? The power of the gospel for some of you, it's, understand, it's time to understand that that gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus that saved you, that's the same thing that's going to get you through what you're going through. Amen. That's what you need. So I want to leave you just with a couple of thoughts before I lead us to the Lord's table. The first one is this. God cares about you. And he chose to love you. He chooses to love you just as you are. 
embrace this truth today. Nothing you do could, could cause Jesus to love you more than he already does. And nothing you do could cause Jesus to love you any less than he already does. But here's some good news. God has already done everything necessary to save you from the one thing that could hurt you forever. So when you go through trials and you feel like you're getting beat up and knocked down and run over, remember, God's already done everything necessary to save you from the one thing that really could hurt you forever. What's that one thing? Well, it's it's your sin. See, your sin has the ability to separate you from God and, and keep you from God's best and cause you to spend eternity separated from him. That's forever. But God demonstrated his love and that while you and I were still sinners, Christ died. And so he's already done everything. That's why it said he was the ransom. He paid the price. And it wasn't a cheap price. It was a costly price. It was with his son. And then God gives you new life and he expects you to live in a new way. And you've just got to ask the question, am I living in that new way? In counseling, I often remind folks of the expectation principle. It's a simple truth that goes this way. Most of life's frustration comes from unmet expectation that arises because of poor communication. When we come to our faith, we need to understand this version of that simple truth. God meets all our expectations in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is more than enough for you and me. He's everything we need. So with that in mind, I want to just ask you a few questions. The first one just cuts straight to the core of what everything we're doing here is all about. So here it is. Have you experienced what Peter described? Have you been born again to a living hope? Now remember that phrase, born again, it implies something that takes place at a point in time. So not one of us here can say, Brother Paul, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. You were born separated from God. The only way to be united with Christ is to be born again. It's just like your birthday. Hey, do me a favor. On the count of three, I want everybody just to verbalize your birthday. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Now let's see how good you're listening. Verbalize my birthday. One, two, three. Oh, I'm so glad you remembered. That is so kind. Um, Hey, just around the corner. Hey, just like, just like we have one birthday, the Bible says there has to be that time where you're born again. And I'm asking a simple question. Has that happened in your life? Next question I want to ask you is, are you expecting Jesus to meet your needs and see you through? See, God's word says, Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all. How many? All my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Are you trusting Jesus to meet your needs and see you through? Here's another one. Are you living expectantly? Expecting God's best for his glory. Are you living expectantly? And how about this one? Are you attempting great things for God? I mean, do the people in your little corner of the world say, wow, this is different. This ain't the same old rodeo. 
and they've got something I need. Are you attempting great things for God? And if not, why? (laughs) This is the very reason for which you were created. And when you take these steps, God will do more than you could ever dream, think, or imagine. And the amazing thing is he does it through the power that's already at work within you. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.